more importantly, just have the faith in yourself, knowing that you'll figure it out. It and assume and understand, welcome all the failures and problems and issues that you're gonna face because those those are expected. If you think that you're gonna ride through it without any repercussions, you're you're sadly mistaken. And yeah, by all means, stay in your lane, whatever you're doing, be be comfortable. That's fine. You know, that's fine. I got a bunch of buddies that are like that. The Gentech Podcast discussing business, investing, and marketing. Hey guys, welcome back to Gentech Podcast, where we're bringing you valuable and inspirational discussion with top business owners. Today, we'll be interviewing Ramon Carger. He's the owner of Easy Advocates, which is a timeshare company, uh, well, to get out of timeshares. And we're going to be talking to him about his story, how he got into this industry, his journey, and his advice to other aspiring business owners. So Ramon, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me so much. I appreciate that. Of course. So we'll just get right into your background. Um, where are you originally from? So I'm actually originally from Portland, Maine. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. what brought you down to Florida? The weather. Portland, Maine, if you guys are familiar, it's up in New England, so it's a lot colder up there. Winters are dark, and it's not exactly too appealing. So ultimately... You know, I like being on vacation uh, year-round more so than just three months out of the year. I completely understand. I moved here from Rhode Island, so I can agree. The weather here is amazing compared to New England. <laughs> right. So um, did you go to school and get a degree? I know I was talking to Christian and Mel a little bit and heard that you were actually in the medical field at first. Yeah, so I was actually starting out or... I wanted to be a doctor for quite some time wow. and I got my degree in biology pre-med and then we got a minor in chemistry and, you know, for five years and, you know, that's all, that's all I thought. That's all I knew. That's all I lived and breathed. And, you know, I finished very well to the point where I did uh, really feel like I had a good shot at getting into medical school too, you know, and becoming a doctor and you know, finishing that route. But it, just didn't pan out in the cards because, you know, just becoming an entrepreneur kind of fell on my lap more so. And, you know, I kind of took that and ran with it instead. And I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah. So how did you make that transition? I mean, that must have been huge to, you know, go to school for four years, expecting to be in the medical fields. And then all of a sudden you just become an entrepreneur. Was there any inspiration or interest that led you to that? Yeah, I mean, my parents have always been in real estate, and um, so I kind of grew up around it. You know, I was swinging a hammer by the time I was able to walk because my dad loved the free labor. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, you know, the, the big hump that a lot of people face in terms of getting into real estate, those risks were already mitigated for me at that point just because it was in my upbringing. So when I was in college, I actually bought my first building. I saved up my, my, uh, my down payment, excuse me. And my parents co-signed my first loan because I mean I was 22 at the time. I was going to give me just under half a million dollar loan to you know move forward on a uh, six unit in Portland. <laughs> so wow, <laughs> yeah. And uh, from there, I was kind of just uh, I, I, I realized that becoming a doctor. I mean, it, it the opportunity cost didn't weigh out. You know, it made sense for me to just keep doing kind of like what my parents were doing, especially because it was working out for them. And, 
more so uh, it just made sense because I get that much more freedom from it. You know, I, when it comes to real estate, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows it's good, easy, passive income. You know, you don't have to do anything. So from there, when I graduated, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I still had all this time to study for the MCATs, um, to get into medical school. And if anybody is you know, familiar with that route, you know, it's very competitive. So you're not going to be the first one out the gate that gets in. It's, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. You're competing with a lot of people that are much more established than you are, you know, just coming out when you're four or so. Um, and I knew that. So I realized, okay, do I try to get a job? You know, what do I do? And um, what happened was my real estate was doing well. You know, I was making some good money there. And I needed something to occupy my time with, though. And granted, I was studying at the time. Um, you know, I still had a fix to make more money, you know. And what I ended up doing was I worked at a part-time job uh, for a buddy of mine for a little bit that had to do with timeshares. And uh, ultimately, what ended up happening was I ended up starting my own company similar to his, and I partnered with an old person that I actually used to work with. So an older guy that I used to work with, I actually partnered with him because he was involved with the same industry. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was me and him ended up being, you know, partnering up and kind of taking off from there. Uh, I ended up buying him out, you know, back in 2017, and I just haven't stopped. So that's kind of where, like where I kind of took off from the timeshares. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, I kind of just... <clears throat> Uh, you know, said no to the MCATs when that day came. You know, I, I had the timeshare thing running for me. I, had, I was making good money there. I had the real estate paying me. And the day that the MCATs came, and you know, I just decided not to go to the test. And at that point, I knew it was that was. It. Yeah, yeah, I think people really underestimate um, my brother. Uh, he's in medical school right now, but it is crazy to see like when you're mapping out the time, how, you know, even in 10 years, like you might not be where you are like in your career. So that's why I feel like entrepreneurship looks so desirable when you're, you know, studying and seeing that you might not be a doctor for like 10 to 15 years. Yeah, it's definitely a long, tough, brought out route. That's for sure. I mean, you're talking five years of undergrad for me because obviously, you know, you don't finish in four of you guys. <laughs> and then, you're thinking, you know, if you want to get be somewhat competitive, you're talking two years for a master's. And then you're probably going to want to go and do a couple of years of just experience as an EMT uh, just to get some more accolades under your degree. And then, you know, you've got three years or excuse me, four years of then med school and then three years of residency. And if you're going to want to make some money, you're going to have to do another two years of fellowship. So, I mean, you're going to be like 35, almost 40 years old by the time you're even making anything. And, at that point, it wasn't. It didn't make sense for me. So, and then to those that it obviously makes sense because they have more of a passion in it, and I unfortunately didn't. It was kind of like more one of those things that you know my parents wanted me to do, and I was like, shit, why not? You know, I realized well, what my parents were doing made a lot more sense. So I should probably take that route instead. Yeah, and I can also agree. My parents are also in the real estate industry, and obviously, like I went to college, and now I'm in grad school. But it still is such a desirable industry because you know you see how well your parents are doing. But it is always good to have that. Yeah. I think I have real estate. 
I do too. I mean, there's great tax incentives. Uh, I mean, it's good passive income. I mean, it's, um, you know, you can borrow money against it and not pay taxes on it. I mean, and I'm not giving financial advice or anything like that. So, um, nor am I an accountant. So, take all this with, you know, another expert piece of advice. <laughs> so, when you were talking to your friend who was first into the, you know, the timeshare advocates industry, would you say he was like one of your mentors that, that really drew you to this field? Yeah, yeah. So him and I actually used to work together for the same guy that I eventually went and partnered with. So that's mm -hmm. kind of how I knew him. And um, so, I mean, what, I had already had that part-time job. It already was that niche that I was probably pretty good at. You know, I was already comfortable with it. And then um, ultimately, you know, I, I saw an opportunity and I took it. You know, I saw, you know, this other gentleman uh, basically having uh, – you know, not the best of luck with his, with his business. And he essentially had a, a you know, a, a great, um, you know, setup so that we could kind of capitalize on this, this side of the sector, you know, don't worry about trying to resell timeshares, which is what he was doing. Cause that kind of market was kind of dying. Everybody was more so fixated on how do I get out of this period? And yeah, I could ex explain more what easy advocates is because it, it is such an interesting industry. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a fine new niche niche that's for sure. Um, but essentially, we help people get out of their timeshare contracts. So people get suckered into these pesky timeshares that they end up not exactly panning out to be what the salesperson told them it would be. And it turns out, realistically, all you're doing is prepaying your hotel room for the rest of your life. You, know, you pay this big thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar loan plus an annual maintenance fee on top of that of about a thousand to fifteen hundred a year. And what they kind of sell you on is, you know, you're an owner of this place and, you know, this property is going to go up in value and, you know, essentially make all these statements that don't exactly pan out to be true. And which really, you know, when people are down on vacation, they're there to do one, two things really. Just have fun and how do you do that? You spend money. You know what I mean? So they know these people are already fixated on spending money and, you know, reoccurring, uh, you know, or reliving this, this experience. You know, I don't do that. You buy a timeshare, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, unfortunately, they kind of prey on the psychology behind, you know, people being on vacation and, you know, that treat yourself type of uh, approach, if that makes sense. Um, I want to ask, were there any big challenges at the start of your career or any setbacks that you may have faced? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's always challenges, guys. Um, I mean, really, it's every day the challenge, you know, you're always trying to, as a business owner, you're, you're always solving problems. That's what you do. You know, if you really like find, you know, take, you know, a, a, a general criteria that, that most business owners have is that they're problem solvers and, you know, they do it in an efficient way. But I mean, for me, I mean, I can't really think of any one problem, you know, mm -hmm. I think you just have to understand that you're going to have problems and you just got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's any advice that you would give to listeners when they're facing these setbacks? Um, as they're in their entrepreneur journey? I think they just need to start realistically, just start and then understand that most things usually work themselves out and they gotta have that faith and just knowing that. You know, a lot of people wonder, you know, what if it doesn't work out, you know, this is gonna happen. You know, you don't really know until you've done it. So you're kind of making, you know, what hasn't happened yet exist, which, you know, why would you do that type of thing? You wanna get deep. So I think it's, it's just start.
even if it's you know doing the small things you know just put yourself in you know set yourself up to be in that position to get going you know if you're thinking about getting into e-commerce you know start researching about products you know maybe take a few hundred bucks or a thousand bucks whatever you got working with who knows and just run a product see what the hell happens see what errors you're running into and then just figure it out from there you know it's and understand you're gonna have those errors and that's fine you know the more errors you know the more experience you get and eventually more money you'll make from those experiences so it's uh just like a snowball you just gotta keep on rolling and so on and so forth <laughs> yeah i love that advice you're yeah. also an investor right yeah 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 how has being an investor helped you um excel in your career um i mean it's i've always just had like that little knack for it i don't really know if it's like yeah i've always just known how to take money and multiply it and, and knowing that it's going to cost a great deal of money in order to multiply a great deal of money and being fine with it and that's where the whole risk aspect comes from you know not many people are willing to spend the money and take that lunge and, and see if it'll pan out and i guess that's kind of like you know gambler in me i guess i don't know <laughs> not like actual gambler but i mean yeah if you're a risk taker sure so be it i'll gamble on myself all day um so i mean i guess that's kind of like where it comes from but i mean obviously they're all calculated you know i see I, I see opportunity i take advantage of it i weigh out opportunity costs you know and, and i like to dive into new shit all the time you know it's whatever takes my interest you know i don't, I don't mind seeing it if it's whatever it is yes yeah, speaking of your new ventures i heard you're getting into blockchain and crypto i would love to hear about that i'm not too knowledgeable in it but um if you could tell me a little bit about it yeah so what we've done uh so what i've been working on for the past couple months actually is i more recently started a crypto hedge fund and we're called blockchain asset management and uh, we were actually down in bitcoin miami this past week and we made a lot of great headway and uh, we're just excited for everything that's to come um you know it's actually what put all this mess behind us <laughs> so i'm uh, you gotta have your eye on the markets all the time <laughs> and you know having my own little hub in my house uh it just makes it a lot easier so um i'm excited i'm excited for for where the technology is going i'm excited for you know the adoption of it um the convenience of it i mean it's i firmly believe that's kind of like where the future is headed especially with where the economy is going <laughs> it, it's it's necessary so can you tell me more, what is a crypto hedge fund? So essentially we take on investors and we help them invest into cryptocurrency. So they get full exposure into the market without having to monitor the market 24 seven or, or manage the volatility that comes with it. You know, we have uh, algorithms actually, you know, that help us, you know, calculate everything uh, so that, you know, our risk management levels are, are an all time high always. So, you know, despite people, you know, absorbing these 30% losses, you know, we can see them coming. That's the beauty of it. So. I think that also just ties into your risk, how you said gamble on yourself. And obviously, you know, these hedge funds and stocks are super risky, but if you're willing and you know a lot about it, I think that's perfect in the new like venture of your career. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been exposed to it all for, I mean, it's 2022, I got in about 16, so about six years. A lot of my time uh, uh, has been, you know, devoted to, you know, really exploring more into this industry. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And um, I've always just really, really been fascinated by it because ultimately I do feel like this is the transition is inevitable. Have you been involved in any real estate down here in Tampa? What do you think about like the real estate industry right now? Oh man, it's it's nuts right now. Um, I'm actually selling a bunch of my property right now in Maine, and I'm trying to get into more of the uh, high-end luxury Airbnb rentals. So uh, it's just been more lucrative overall. Um, you know, on average, you know, you're looking at making two to three x on your traditional rental income, mm-hmm. so, and it's way less upkeep and it's personally for me it's been more peace of mind um you know less wear and tear on the property too and you know you're getting all the benefits uh, that real estate has to offer you know what i mean so that's kind of like where i've kind of been heading with it and i'm riding every bit of what Tampa has to offer right now as you should it's amazing here and that kind of ties right in i was i was thinking you know about these timeshares i've never like personally had one but i i did always think it was kind of a crazy idea especially with airbnb do you think that was like brought a huge threat to these timeshares and making consumers want to get out of them yeah i mean absolutely i mean realistically timeshares as it is everything is a threat to them it's just people just got to be aware of what timeshares really are Mm -hmm. it's not that airbnb is a threat to it it's not that you know, all these travel agencies are a threat to it. It's that when you really buckle down and realize what a timeshare is, it's it's you're you're planning on using this thing every year for the rest of your life. How the hell do you know what's going to even happen in the next two or three years? I think you're going to go on vacation in the same spot or the same uh, somewhat similar destinations that that place has to offer. And when you boil it down, the numbers don't pan out because you know if you think about it, you know on average it's you know say $500 a night for a hotel room, for a really nice, nice one, right? $3,500, is that $3,500 for the week. And you have the luxury of going whenever you want, right? You're going where you want, when you want, and then, but what timeshares do is they lock you in, you're paying that loan off for the next 10 years, no matter what, you gotta pay that four to $500 a month. Mm-hmm. Every month or else it goes on your credit for the most part. And then you're also paying on average a thousand to fifteen hundred or two thousand a year on top of that, whether you use it or not. So if you if you, I'm not even going to give an if you because you just shouldn't. So we'll just leave it at that. I agree. It's just an old business model that just doesn't work anymore. So it is really nice that you are helping people get out of this. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited every day because. Um, a lot of people are super, super ecstatic to, to really finally work with a company that actually gets it done for them too. I know that we've just done such a great job and we've made so many people so happy and so pleased and saved them a ton of money in the long run. So, uh, Which is amazing and anyone can appreciate that. Right. <laughs> Do you feel like that is how you really stand out from your competitors, like the amount you care about um, your customers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing that we try to do most importantly is, is that obviously we, 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 we get the feedback from all the other the customers that we deal with and the clients. And a lot of these companies are just charging ridiculously large upfront payments or they won't even start. You know, they're, they're asking for a minimum of four or $5,000 right now before we even look at the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And what we're willing to do is start with no money down. We'll actually defer somebody's payments for a month or two just so they can get comfortable with us and who we are, make sure that we're actually delivering on the service that we promised 
before they even start making just even a payment. Mm-hmm. So instead of them, you know, being overextended, you know, taking that massive leap of faith where they have to pay four or five thousand dollars just to, you know, get started on something, we're basically doing it at a fraction of the cost without any money coming out of your pocket until you see something. So I think that that definitely um, sticks out amongst all the other competitors for the most part. Yeah, I completely agree. It's obviously a new industry, not not new, but new to me. So it is interesting to hear about it. I do want to ask with all these like new business ventures, how do you balance your life and work? Oh, man. Um, my life is work. And but the way I have to balance it is making sure that I'm not doing the stuff that I don't want to do, you know. Um, and what that comes with is making sure you hire the right help, more important. Um, so if you hire the right help, pay them well and take care of them, make sure that you have a good relationship with them so that they're not just working for the job, but they're, they're going hard for you. You know what I mean? Like, I like this person so much that I am going to go the extra mile. Your life is just so much easier. And that comes with me being able to move that much more, that much more efficiently, because I know whatever I need done is done. I don't have to circle back and make sure it's, you know, is it done or what's going on with it. It's, that's it. So you're able to rely on all of your, 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 I don't know, your, your avenues, I should say, or your, your mechanics, I should say, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. When you're able to rely on everybody efficiently. I mean, your, your, your quality of life just goes through it's that much more. Honestly, it's almost like a game. It's, and it's fun, you know, uh, that, that more importantly. And you got to have fun with it because shit, man, life is short. And you don't want to be caught chasing money when, you know, there's roses smell or something like that. Mm-hmm. What advice can you give to entrepreneurs who want to start um, their own business? You just start. <laughs> I'm going to circle back. Just start it. <laughs> like, it's, they're, they're overthinking it. You are overthinking it. And just just more importantly, just have the faith in yourself, knowing that you'll figure it out. It and assume and understand, welcome all the failures and problems and issues that you're gonna face because those those are expected. If you think that you're gonna ride through it without any repercussions, you're you're sadly mistaken. And yeah, by all means stay in your lane, whatever you're doing. Be, be comfortable. That's fine. You know, that's fine. I got a bunch of buddies that are like that. And, and, I'm, and I'm the one that's been persistent. If they ever watch this, they know who they are. It's like, <laughs> oh, get off your ass to this. And it's not, nah, I'm good. good. I, got, I got my thing. I'm like, all right, whatever. So, and that's fine. And, and it is what it is. But if you're really hungry, then then just start it. And, and just learn from your mistakes, understand you're going to make a bunch of them and, and just keep the punches rolling. That's really it. I want to ask if you have any self-improvement tips that you do. Obviously, you're going into new ventures, so you have to keep learning. And do you read any books or do any online classes? How do you learn? Um, I just started listening to audiobooks like three weeks ago, so I can't even say that I do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still on like chapter three and I haven't even gotten through my first. But realistically, I think it's, I do a lot of just hands-on trial and error. That, that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, I, I think it's just taking that fearless approach that where you just, you just dive at it head on is um, what I encourage everybody to just do. 
Yeah. Have you had any business ventures that you went into that you failed at? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to start a food delivery app, kind of like uh, Uber Eats, but in Portland. That didn't work out well. And I was going to start in, and I actually, I, I, I really want to pick this one back up when I do have the time, but it was, it was called Mainly Lobster. And I was overnighting fresh Maine lobster right off the boat from Maine, obviously, mm-hmm. to different you know cities. And I had this, I had my house in, in in Cumberland, and I had this massive garage, and I had a huge lobster tank. I had like an eight hundred gallon tank, and I had this whole little setup. And I was eventually going to get it going, but I actually moved down here, so what the hell with it. I love that though. I love Maine Lobster. Can't really get it down here. Miss it. I want to transition over to social media and how you use that in your business and how you market your business. So what methods do you currently use to promote um, Easy Advocates and what methods will you use to promote your um, crypto hedge fund? Yeah. um, So that's a great question. And I'm always trying to to learn different avenues. And I've worked a great deal actually with, with Gentech and, and Christian's been amazing and, and Amel's been amazing and uh, they've helped me do my Facebook ads. And uh, so we're, we're working that way in that direction. Those will pan out very well, very successful. Um, so I definitely recommend them and it definitely didn't pay me to say that. Um, <laughs> so I think uh, social media advertising is obviously big. Everybody's using it, plain and simple. You know, if you want to get in front of people's eyes, where are people's eyes going? It's social media. Um, so that's very important. Um, so we definitely take that route. <clears throat> we also buy a lot of qualified leads. Um, so people submit information somewhere in some portal, what have you. We purchase that information and we'll call them. Um, and you know, whether it's a phone number, an email, you know, we'll buy it all, uh, and we'll send out you know, campaigns and uh, what have you to them to try to, you know, make calls more inbound, so to speak. I also think you can really tie in that you are an investor and you talked about how you're not scared to, you know, spend a couple hundred to make a couple thousand. And I think people get really scared to spend money on marketing, which is so crazy because, you know, when you're spending money on those Facebook ads, your revenue will triple, will quadruple, but people are really scared because they think, oh my God, I'm spending 2000 a month, but you can start making 10000 a month if you spend that. So like, what's your advice for that? Obviously, you're very um, skilled in the investing and you love the risk, so. Start out small, start out small. Yeah. You to experiment. If, if you're, again, you're going to have to, if you're going to want to expand, right? You're going to have to experiment with new stuff because in order to keep up with modern day technology and, and all the innovations that are happening, you're going to have to try the new stuff that's coming out. Uh, or else your business is not going to succeed and it's not going to make it. Bill Gates, I think, said it the past a while ago, if your business isn't out on the internet, you know, it's not going to be a business much longer. So I think um, social media plays a, a large role in that. And I, I think uh, people really need to, um, you know, sacrifice. A, a, a small portion of their of their income into an experimental budget for their marketing and see what you think will work best because if you know you're the one that's out chasing everybody all the time shit's exhausting man <laughs> like and you 
you're relying on on way more than you need to, you know, to get the job done. You know, more importantly, you know, when you're marketing right, people come to you. Guess what? You need to charge them more too. <laughs> they, their walls are that much more down, <laughs> and they they are knowing, you know, that I'm coming to you. So I think um, marketing is is very important for that. You know, and uh, again, social media is really important for that. It's, yeah, you want to be, you know, that person that people come to you that I think it's called the pull market. It's super important. I do think having that upper hand and, and using marketing will get you that. Yeah, for sure. Um, has there been any marketing that hasn't worked for you or that has like really worked for you? Like what platforms uh, do you focus on the most? <clears throat> Email campaigns are just tough overall. Um, just because the, the the platforms that you use are so finicky in terms of making sure that the right email that you're using is the right email. So, I mean, email marketing is tough. Uh, the ones that I like to use the most are, well, in terms of marketing, you know, I, I do a lot of Facebook and I do a lot of buying leads. And then from there, you know, we'll either, you know, send them out a campaign and then follow them up with a text message with some sort of promo or something or, or a phone call from, you know, one of our guys or our gals. That's definitely, uh, you know, the traditional approach that we've been taking and it's been pretty well, pretty good. Do you also work on your personal brand at all of yourself? No, not at all. <laughs> I uh, work on everything else. <laughs> and the brand itself naturally, you know, me just kind of, you know, kind of goes up as well. So. Your brain speaks for itself, so that's all you need. <laughs> I don't mean at least not that. And do you have any plans for the future? I mean, just just getting this hedge fund up and running. You know, taking a, a really passionate, strong role into the crypto industry. Um, you know, getting these Airbnbs running. Um, you know, making sure all these people get out of these timeshares efficiently. And, you know, making sure that you know everybody on the team is well kept and taken care of. Um, yeah, those are my plans for the future. And to wrap it up, uh, what's the biggest takeaway that you hope listeners learn from listening to this podcast? Um, it's okay to take chances. Uh, that at the end of the day, mistakes are going to happen. Uh, failure is just another lesson learned. Uh, you know, if you're going to want to make money, you're going to have to spend money. And, and obviously, you know, if you have a you know, a, a, a passion for something, you should just get started on it. Just, just kind of dive into it and kind of see where it just takes you. Awesome. So I'm just going to give a little wrap up on what we talked about for everyone. So again, this is Ramon Carger. He is the owner of Easy Advocates. Um, he talks about gambling on yourself and investing in yourself and taking that chance and how that really pays off. Also risk. He's not afraid of risk. And I think that is definitely how you got to where you are today because you took that risk and you're continually learning and growing and getting into new industries and you're not afraid of that your new ventures are the crypto hedge fund and the airbnb so i'm extremely excited to see where you go with that and where can our listeners connect with you online um right now for the most part i have instagram and it's just a D the number two fours just how it's spelled your um businesses uh, my businesses are the letter e the letter z advocates.com and blockchain mgt.com 
Perfect. And you can find us at, at GenTech Marketing um, on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn, everything you need. So thank you so much for listening. And Ramon, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. Appreciate it.